ready to see red tonight? Are you ready to see red tonight? All right, we're seeing red. We're looking at the blood of Jesus. And we're following what some have called the scarlet thread through the Bible. And we're going to look tonight at this one question. What was it Abraham believed? And we're going to see how God cut a blood covenant with the father of our faith, Abraham. So can we stand to read this one verse together? And then we're going to pray and get right into the Word of God tonight. We've got a lot to cover. How many of you were blessed last week in this series? Well, I'll tell you, it really got out there, and uh, God's going to really minister to us tonight. I'm excited. Now, let's read it. Romans 4, verse 3. Are you ready? Let's read. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. My question, what then did Abraham believe? What did he believe about God? That God said, you are righteous. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you tonight for the blood of the Lamb of God. We thank you, Lord, for how you taught us about it. Beginning in Genesis, in the ancient Garden of Eden. And then from there, all the way through, like a silver scarlet thread, is the message of the blood. Now, Lord, teach us tonight, establish us in the blood covenant, that our faith will be settled, strong, unmovable, unshakable, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up and listen, it's going to be good tonight. You know, the more I study the blood, and let me just talk a second, the more I study the blood... The more I want to preach that, because we're in a day where many, many churches no longer mention it. They don't mention the blood, don't mention salvation, don't mention sin, don't mention repentance. It's a a sort of a feel-good, motivational kind of a deal, instead of telling us the truth about why blood needed to be shed. The blood needed to be shed because something was wrong in us. And this needs to be shouted from the housetops. Something is wrong in you and me. And it is we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And if, it not, if not for the shedding of the blood, we would have been hopelessly lost, undone, and separated from God forever and forever, which is an amount of time I cannot grasp in my brain because everything around us is finite. Everything around us has a beginning and an end, but not our God. God never began and God never ends. And what is unseen, the spirit world, never ends. And there is a piece of you, a part of you, the essence of you that will never end. And it's the spirit, your soul. And that's why the blood was shed, to redeem your soul. Um, So the stakes were high when Jesus came to the earth. Couldn't have been higher. So no wonder God reached all the way back into the ancient Garden of Eden and first mentioned the blood to Adam and Eve. When they sinned, God slew an animal, killed an animal, 
and wrapped them in the animal skin and covered their sin. And what was God saying? All the way back there with our original parents, God was saying, now that sin has entered your life, it's got to be covered. And it's only covered, it's only washed away by the shedding of blood. That's it. And he went from Eden and moved forward. And what we're going to see now is Abraham as Abram. So let's look at it. Four times in the Bible, we're told that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So again, what in the world did he believe? That God said, you're righteous. What did Abraham believe? Tonight, we're going to explore the blood covenant as God revealed it through Abram, later called Abraham, once the covenant was established. So let's first do a little background check on Abram and figure out, uh, just take a look at where he came from and how God worked with this man through the years. When we first meet Abram, it's been 500 years since the great flood of Noah's time. He came 500 years after the flood, and the world has once again given itself over to idol worship. Once again, Abram's family were idol worshipers living in the city of Ur, if you didn't know where it was, you just said, <laughs> Living in the city of Ur, which was located in Babylon. Ur was a culturally, by the way, that's Iraq. Ur was a culturally sophisticated but pagan country. The inhabitants worshipped the moon and made idols to the moon goddess. And so did Abram's family. And so did Abram. So I want you to look at where this man was and where God brought him to be the father of our faith. It's amazing. Now I want you to keep in mind as we go through this about Abram that there was no Bible in Abram's day. No scripture had yet been written. This was waiting for Moses who penned the first five books in the, in the Bible, of the Bible, the Pentateuch, what we call the Pentateuch, um, while he was in the wilderness leading the children of Israel from Egypt to the promised land. That's where he wrote, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It was into this pagan environment with no Bible, no church, no fellowship, no kindred spirit. God came to this man Abram and spoke to him and said, leave, I'm calling you out of here to a land you do not yet know. And this man, Abram, stepped into the absolute unknown. He didn't know what was a year down the road. He didn't know what was a mile down the road. He knew the next step to take, just the next step. And isn't that the way you and me are? We don't know, I don't know a mile down the road. I don't know a year down the road. I can have a vision, I can have a dream, I can have plans. But the Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but the word of the Lord is what will stand. So here goes Abram. He, he all alone, Jehovah God, speaks into this pagan environment of darkness where his family is worshiping a moon goddess. He, believe, he has been told there is something sacred and powerful about the moon. He's been raised in this, and Jehovah God speaks to him. 
Leave your family. Leave Ur. Go where I show you to go. I'm taking you to another land. And if you obey me, I'm going to make you great. Your name is going to be great. A nation is going to come out of your loins. And I'm going to do all these things, Abram, if, if, only if you obey me. It was a conditional promise. Conditional upon his obedience. Uh, During this incredible journey of faith, he just started walking. He took his wife. He took his uh, cattle. He had no children. He was believing for a son. There's no way that God's promise to him that he would be a nation was ever going to happen unless he had a son. Now, he's about 75 years old at this point. That's when 75 was 30. Okay? Now, he just starts walking. We know for a fact that he walked a very long ways. He crossed the Euphrates River. He just kept on going. Every day that he woke up, if you had stopped him in the middle of his journey and said, Hey, Abe, where are you going? He just said, You know, I just, I really don't know. Well, where are you going today? Well, today I'm going that way because this is the way he spoke to me. He, he who? You mean the moon? No. God spoke to me. How'd you know it was God? I don't know. I just did. A voice spoke to me to leave my hometown, leave my family, leave familiar surroundings, and go in this direction. I don't know where I'm finally going to end up. I don't know how it's all going to come to pass. I just know I believe him. Wow. He didn't have a pastor and a group of people to say, pray with me about this. There weren't any television, radio preachers, probably better off for that, except not radio. (laughs) Now, uh, (laughs) and those of you listening by radio, I didn't mean radio. All right. Now, during this incredible journey of faith, Abraham was declared righteous by God based on something he believed. When we look at what took place with Abram, we find that God had established a blood covenant with him. And it was a foreshadowing of what was coming with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that in a minute. It was the same covenant he made with Adam and Eve when he killed the animals in the garden, clothed them to cover their sin, and promised a future redeemer. So church, we need to understand this. We find a pattern in scripture. Some have called it the scarlet thread. We might call it a dress rehearsal. From the ancient Garden of Eden, God progressively continues to reveal his covenant with man that he laid before the foundations of the world. We shared that with you last week. This covenant was cut between the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and each of the three declared what their part would be, what part they would play. God would send the Son, the Son would willingly die, and the Holy Ghost would occupy the redeemed. Powerful, powerful stuff. So God is beginning, he's like a teacher, you know, who who knows that the students are going to go through several grade levels, and he's thinking of generations of people. 
and he wants to put into their understanding a principle. And so he teaches it over and over and over and over again until finally when Jesus came, it was so ingrained in them, they understood the concept of a sacrificed lamb. But now here's God introducing it to the father of our faith, Abraham. Before he ultimately comes to earth to cut covenant with us through his own blood, he reveals his intentions very clearly through Abraham. Now we read of God's covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15, and I want us to, this is a lot of Bible reading, but I want you to watch this very carefully. It's extremely intriguing. Watch this now. He says in Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a special dream, saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your safe place. Your reward will be very great. Now, in the King James, New King James, a couple of other versions, he says, I am your shield. So the Lord said to him in verse 9, jumping from verse 1 to verse 9, the Lord said to him, I want you to bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then Abram brought all these to him. Watch what he did and cut them in two. And he laid each half beside the other, but he did not cut the birds. When the meat-eating birds came down, the vultures came down upon the dead animals, Abram shooed them away. Now this is something happening with Abram and God. And I'm going to come back to this later on in this message so that we really, really get what's happening here. He shoes the birds away, and it says, when the sun was going down, Abram went into a sleep as if he were dead. Remember Adam being put to sleep by God when he took his rib out and created Eve? Same thing. And much fear and darkness came upon him in a dream state. That's what it's saying. God said to Abram, know for sure that your children... And those born after them will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. What was that? Egypt. There they will be servants and suffer for 400 years. Think about that. Four centuries. If we went back four centuries, we're we're in the 1700s. But I will punish the nation they will serve. And later they will come out with many riches. What happened to Pharaoh? Pharaoh and his armies were drowned in the sea. And what did the Egyptians start doing when Israel finally got delivered? Taking off their jewelry and giving it to them. Now I want you to notice something. This was prophesied to Abraham in a dream centuries before this ever happened. Okay? Now, he goes on and says, you're going to live many years And you're going to die in peace and be buried. Then your great-great-grandchildren will return here. For the sins of the Amorite are not yet finished. Now look what happened. When the sun had gone down and it was very dark. Here's what Abram saw in his dream. A fire pot of smoke and a burning fire passed between the parts of the animals. Passed between them. Uh, It was like a bright light. A burning furnace. You know, Kathy and I, we had, when it was so cold, we had a fire going in the fireplace. 
and sometimes get it really blazing. Abraham saw just this, the only way he could describe in a dream was like a, a burning hot furnace passing between these animals that had been sacrificed and divided. It was walking, it was moving down the middle of both sides, both halves. And the Lord made an agreement with Abram on that day. He said, I've given this land to your children and to their children's children from the river of Egypt as far as the big Euphrates River. Now, follow closely. Remember with me what God had said to Abram prior to this mysterious event, prior to this dream, before he had the dream. He said, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. In essence, God was taking the initiative in covenant by offering his robe and his belt to Abram. Of course, God doesn't have a robe, but since the robe represents the person, God is simply offering himself in covenant. Now, here's what God was saying to Abram. Abram, here is me. I'm offering to you myself. This is really powerful. He says, here is me. All that I am, I give to you. I am your reward. I am holy. I give you my holiness. I am righteous. I give you my righteousness. I give you my life, Abram, pledging to lay it down on your behalf. If you will accept this covenant and enter into it with me. You remember when Jonathan and David made a covenant? Jonathan took his royal robe off and gave it to David. Took the belt that held on the armor off and gave it to David. That was a symbol of giving him all that he was. That is, if you were even to step into the throne, that's fine with me. All that I am, David, I give to you. We're in covenant. Now, the reason we kind of blink at this, let me just talk a second, is because when we see something like this, God cutting a covenant, and what we shared with you about two Hebrews, two Hebrew men cutting covenant, we blink at that because we don't see that in our day. Here's what Paul said. In the last days before the return of Jesus, men are going to be breakers of covenant disloyal, truce breakers, um, unfaithful. And let's face it, folks, in our day, in our times, it's every man for himself. Uh, All seek their own. Very few seek the things that are Jesus Christ. Most everybody's living for themselves. Uh, uh, Most everybody has the philosophy, uh, my Godhead is me, myself, and I. And I don't live for other people. I live for me. He who dies with the most toys wins. But this isn't God's thinking at all. Our God is a God of covenant. And here he comes to the first, the first Hebrew, the first Semite, the father of the Jewish race, and says to him, I'm cutting a covenant with you. He puts him into a dream state. In the dream state, he sees this fire. And we're going to reveal what that was in just a moment. But he sees this smoking-like furnace walking between the, the halves of these animals. 
And God is saying to Abram, I'm here to cut a covenant with you. I'm here to enter covenant with you. Now, whether or not you knew it, when you got saved, Jesus said, I'm entering covenant with you. And whether or not we're faithful, he's faithful. We're in covenant. We're in covenant. Okay? Very, very important. He's a covenant-making God. Now, let's keep looking at this. Remember what God had said to Abraham prior to this event. Let's read it together. Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. So, before he had this dream, God had said to him, I'm your reward. Folks, let me tell you something. No human being is your real reward. No paycheck is your greatest reward. Your reward is him. It's him. He is your exceedingly great reward. It's him. He's worth the loss of everything. Paul said, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ and know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. He's our great reward. Do you believe that? Amen. Now, he also said, I'm your shield to Abram. I don't just offer you a shield. I am your shield. I will protect you, fight for you. And be your strength. Your battles are my battles. Put me on as your full armor. When you go into battle, I will fight for you. When you go into battle, I will fight for you. Your enemies are my enemies. Those who bless you, I'm going to bless. Those who curse you, I'm going to curse. If somebody picks on you, they picked on me. If they come after you, they came after me and I'm bigger than they are. So God continued and said, and out of your seed, singular, shall come a blessing to the whole world. You will be a blessed man and will produce a blessed nation. I'm going to give you a land of rest. But Abram, let's be clear about this one thing. I'm not doing this because of your own righteousness. You do not deserve what I'm doing. Do y'all hear hints of our covenant with Jesus Christ? God did not send his son because we were righteous. He sent his son because we were in sin. We didn't deserve it. God chose to love us. Now he says, you don't deserve it. And should you start thinking that you do deserve it? We'll go ask your wife. How many of you guys can say that? Oh, no, no, don't ask her. Why? Because you gave her away two times and lied about it. So let's ask her if you deserve what I'm about to do. Can I have an amen, ladies? But then if God said, let's go talk to the wife, or let's go talk to the husband about the wife, it'd be the same thing, wouldn't it? We all need to be covered in the blood. None of us are perfect. Now, he says, God was taking the initiative because he loved Abram, not because he deserved it. Now, when Abram heard these things, he said, in essence, well, God, that's great, but how do I know you will do all of this? How can I be sure you're going to do what you said. And that's when God entered blood covenant with him. Have you ever wondered, how can I know I'm going to heaven? 
I'll tell you how you can know, because he entered a blood covenant with you. We're in a blood covenant. Let's look at this. How can I be sure? God responded by saying, well, here's what you do. You take the ram, the goat, the heifer, and split them right down the middle and separate the halves. Now, do you all remember last week when we talked about the ceremony of covenant we discussed between the two Hebrew men? Remember that? Let me just real quickly recap what they would do. You had two Hebrew men who were going to make a covenant with each other. Here's what they would do. They would take an animal, split it down the middle. This took place only in the context of a covenant. Each man would then stand between the two halves of flesh with their backs to each other. They would then walk like they were having a duel. Here's the guy that I'm covenanting with behind me, and he's facing the other way. And they would walk away like this, and they would do a figure eight, and they would come back facing each other. The figure eight representing eternity. Look, each man would then stand between the two halves of flesh with their backs to each other. They would then walk right through the bloody halves, make a figure eight, and come back to a stop facing each other. That's how they did covenant. Now, what did that signify? Why in the world do that? First, it said the two men were dying to themselves. This was real. And this was not a marriage. This was a covenant between men. Say they're dying to themselves, giving up their rights to their own lives, and beginning a new walk with the covenant partner to the death. In this covenant, each half of the dead animal represents the men. Now, they did this over and over and over in the Old Testament. Real important, we catch this. What else does it signify? That since the blood covenant is the most solemn pact, We each point down to the bloody animal and say, let's read it together. God do so to me and more if I ever try to break this covenant. God, there's a cell phone. I'm going to answer it. Where where is it? I'm kidding. We're going to learn to turn them off. I brought mine with me, but it's in there. Now watch. Here's those two bloody halves of the animals. What were those men saying? If I break this covenant... May God do the same thing to me. That's heavy words. And you say that in the presence of God. And that's how they cut a covenant. And in this covenant, each half of the dead animal represents the men. They're dying to themselves. And if they broke the covenant, they ended up like that bloody animal. Abram was well aware of this covenant. So by God requesting that he split the animals down the middle and divide the halves, Abram knew that God was making a covenant with him. Wow. So you, you kill the animals, you divide them, and you got the two halves here, and then you're sitting there in the presence of God. What are you going to do now? Because obviously, you're making a covenant with me. And Abram knew that a blood covenant was the closest, most enduring, and most solemn of all compacts. It cannot be broken. Therefore, Abram knew that God would have to do what he had promised. Through the blood covenant, he has a hold on God and God's promises. And so do you. Because we do not have a covenant written in ink or pencil. This is written in the blood of the Lamb. 
you're in a blood covenant as a Christian. You didn't just get fire insurance. The reason you know that he's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you, always going to take care of you, always guide you. He's going to guide you with his counsel and afterward receive you into glory. And the way that you know that is because he cut the covenant in blood and not the blood of animals, but the blood of his only begotten son. That's why Hebrews says, when Jesus died and shed his blood, no more blood ever needed to be shed again. It did away with all the Old Testament sacrifices because he was the once for all and only and ultimate blood. So we stand in blood covenant. Can you say it with me? I stand in a blood covenant. And God made it with you, just like he is with Abram right here. But now, you get a question. As soon as you see this, here's these animals, here stands Abram. you got to ask this question. How does a perfect God make a covenant with a sinful man? God is perfect and man is flawed. How can an imperfect person be a participant in a perfect covenant? How? Well, right about this time, Scripture records that vultures swooped out of the sky and tried to eat the carcass. Vultures are considered unclean by God, and they attempted to eat the clean sacrifice ordained by God as acceptable to him. And I got to see something here. Jesus one time compared the devil to fowl, to vultures that swoop down and try to steal the word of God from our hearts so that we are not saved. The fowls in Genesis represent the enemy trying to break up this covenant before it's completed. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the devil. He's the enemy of covenant. Here's Abram. He's about to make covenant. God is about to make covenant with him. And vultures came and tried to eat the sacrifice God was about to use for the covenant. And I believe that nothing is in the Bible by mistake. You got to know when you make a commitment that is in the will of God, you make a covenant, marriage covenant, um, a covenant to serve the Lord, a covenant to do something that you know is within the will of God. You can know the enemy is going to try to break up that covenant because he swooped down on it before God was able to do it. So Abraham tried to help God by chasing the birds away. And here's what I see God saying to him. God responded in essence by saying, I don't need your help, Abram. If you're involved in any of this, you will mess it up. If it's going to be done at all, I'm going to have to do it all. I don't need your help, Abram. And to show you how much I don't need your help, night, night. (laughs) Night, night. I'm going to put you in a deep sleep. Through the entire ceremony. How many of you wish that God had put you asleep a few times? Because every time we try to help God, don't we mess it up? I mean, it's one thing to obey him, but if we say, let me help you with this. How many of you honestly wish, I wish he'd have thrown some sleep dust on me a few times? Well, he threw some major sleep dust on Abram. Now, it says, you're going to be asleep through the entire ceremony, and when it's over, I'll wake you up. Then as he did with Adam at Eve's creation, God made a deep sleep fall upon Abram. 
while Abram was in a deep sleep under God's power, God told Abram about his descendants. They're going to be in a strange land for 400 years in bondage in a strange country. But they're going to be delivered with great wealth. This was 400 years before Moses. And then they were in Egypt. How long they were in Egypt? 400 years. Now, one of the great moments in Scripture took place right about then, while still asleep. And here's where I'm going with this tonight. While still asleep, Abraham saw, or Abram, passing between the bloody animals, someone taking his place. He was asleep. But in the dream, he saw someone taking his place. Someone was walking where he should have been walking in a normal covenant with men. But this was different. He's asleep, but he sees someone walking between the animals in his place. And somebody was saying, I'm dying to myself. I'm giving up the rights to my own life. I'm beginning a new walk with my covenant partner unto death. The covenant partner here, church, was God himself. Abram saw such a brilliant glow walking in his place that he described it as a smoking furnace and a burning lamp, meaning a bright light. What was it Abram saw? Well, in Matthew 17, 2, Jesus is described as being clothed in raiment, white as the light. John the Revelator describes him in the book of Revelation, describes Jesus as having eyes like a flame of fire and feet as if they were burned, where? In a furnace. Abram saw none other than Jesus Christ walking in his place. Do you know what Abram believed? Abram believed God was sending someone in his place. God said, I don't have anybody on earth I can make covenant with because you're all imperfect. So I'm going to make covenant with myself. And if I make covenant with myself, it's never going to be broken. So I'm putting you to sleep, son. Good night. In the dream, a being like a fire walks in covenant between the animals. It was the pre-incarnate Jesus. It was the pre-incarnate Jesus testifying, I'm going to die to myself. I don't live for myself. I'm going to give my life for you in blood covenant. And you're going to be my covenant partner. And the covenant has been cut between me and me. There you go. Wow. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, in His pre-existing glory, cut covenant with God the Father and stood in for Abram while he slept. And there you have 
blood covenant, the scarlet thread starting in the Garden of Eden. Now we're going down to Abram, the father of our faith. And what did he believe? He believed in blood covenant and he believed in the covenant God cut with him. And he was declared righteous. And Paul tells us in Galatians, the same way he was declared righteous, so are we when we believe in the blood covenant. Now let's review. God cut a covenant with Abraham. Satan tried to devour the acceptable sacrifice before the covenant could be completed. And God had to put Abraham to sleep to keep him from interfering. If Abraham had tried to approach God on his own and help him out, there could be no covenant made. It was all God's doings, strictly an act of grace on his behalf. Jesus Christ, the pre-existing eternal son of God, took Abraham's place in the covenant ceremony. This was necessary because only God could enter into covenant with God. And Jesus is God. And if anybody ever tells you he's anything less, get out of there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So God the Father covenanted with God the Son on behalf of Abram. Praise God. Abraham did what, everybody? Nothing but believe. That's why God put him to sleep. Or Abraham would have said, yeah, I'm in covenant with God and I did a little bit here and I did this and I did that to make the covenant happen. No, 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 no. He was asleep. And you know where we were? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So nobody could take credit for the work of Jesus on the cross. We didn't help him. Christ stood in for Abraham and walked in his place representing him in the covenant. Now, don't miss next week in part two of what did Abraham believe, because it's even stronger than tonight. Can we stand together? Praise God. How many of you know that Jesus cut a covenant with the Father on your behalf? What he did for Abraham in his pre-incarnate state, he did for you and me when he was manifested as a human being. Same thing. Same thing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood that we see all through the Bible. Thank you that Abraham pulled out of paganism, drawn by the voice of God, was introduced to the blood covenant by the dealings of the Father. And thank you, Lord, that because of his belief in it, he was declared righteous, and so are we. All we did was believe. And you declared us righteous. Now, Lord, I pray for this congregation and everyone listening by radio. If there is anyone who has not placed their faith in that blood, the shed blood of the Lamb, do it. And instantly, God will declare you righteous, not by your own works, but by the work of him who died on the cross for our redemption. Can we just take a minute and thank God for the blood? Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. 
in your own way, and whatever you want to say to him, just thank him for a minute. The, the mercy of the blood, the compassion of the blood, the cleansing power of the blood, the deliverance of the blood, the hope that the blood brings. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the blood, the blood of the Lamb that washed our sins away. Lord, we know that no one else in history came to die and shed their blood so that we could be declared righteous. But Jesus himself. Thank you for this beautiful picture, Father, you gave us in the story of Abram. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from... Let's bring it up just a little bit. Help me here, Steve. I'll start too low. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stain thank you Lord God for the blood give him a hand of praise can you hallelujah Hallelujah.